Symphony of Shadows, Second Movement, Fiume di Stelle, to Infinity, Phrase 1. Jazz closed her eyes instinctively as the beam of light connected with her chest. The darkness of the moment extended, the clamoring noise suddenly quiet. She floated in nothing. And then it all came crashing back. Her eyes opened to danger. Her hand flung itself to her breast to find herself alive in a hole in her jacket. The crystal's gone, she thought, desperately searching for the sinister object. Before she could make an attempt, Jazz was hoisted to her feet and thrown towards the Firefox. Ship, now! roared Wyatt, as he started unloading again towards the crowd. Red lights were flashing, new warnings sounded while horns and alarms blared, adding to the confusion of the moment. Jazz took one more look to the ground, but seeing nothing, turned her back and jumped into the airlock. Wyatt followed close behind. Tane was ahead of her, and soon they were all in the Firefox. Pirates outside opened fire on the ship, and others were firing upon those people. What a fucking mess, thought Jazz, unwilling to ask the real question that needed answering. How am I alive? She felt at her pocket again, hoping the crystal would be there, but it was gone. All three of them ran to the deck, catching up with Knox and Gerta. Get us out of here, now, yelled the captain. The helmsman obliged, detaching the ship in haste and letting go the throttle. The Firefox peeled away from Providence's docks and was immediately met with what looked like a clean bite out of a smoky green apple. Eos, three people murmured at once while the rest gasped. Is that? began the helmsman, but Knox placed a hand on his shoulder and pointed to starboard. It doesn't matter what it is. Head towards the wreckage that way. Jazz hadn't noticed the wreckage. Her attention was riveted to what she could only assume was a piece of the planet Axaratus, its gaseous clouds expanding towards them. Jazz turned her head to the right at Knox's comment and noticed what must have been at some point a ship, or perhaps two. Now it was a medley of mangled metal and shattered glass. What's that? Gerta pointed. Jazz thought she was referring to the debris, but she pointed at something on the screen. Jazz squinted and could see a Divine Republic ship, and they were approaching quickly. Not our problem, said Knox. We need to get over the wreckage and as far away from here as possible. Jazz read the navigation panel, trying to get over the sense of complete disorientation. Where are we? she asked. What do you... Knox cut himself off, following Jazz's gaze to the panel and coming to the same realization she had. They looked at one another, and Jazz could see a thousand calculations flutter through Knox's mind in an instant. Sir, the Republic ships are heading toward us fast, said the pilot. Jazz and Knox looked up, but Jazz's eyes were suddenly drawn to something in the wreckage ahead. Her hand lifted to the hole in her jacket and squeezed. There, winch that, now, commanded Jazz. It was Knox who responded, a calm finger gliding along the control panel. The winch sliced through the debris slightly below them and anchored itself to a glowing purple boulder. The rock hummed with light, its velvet hue dimming and brightening as it was suddenly yanked from its place. 
the winch retracted smoothly until the rock was close to the hull. Knox placed his hand on the helmsman's shoulder. Up and over. Then thread us out of here. Sir, we're in uncharted space. No routes are mapped out here. We could pass through a star or a planet. No surviving that, Captain. And if we go too far and run out of fuel, there'll be no coming back. We don't need to go far, just out of danger. They'll be just as confused as us, if not more. Take us out of range of communications or radar. That's all. Knox squeezed the man's shoulder. Yes, sir. The helmsman switched on the threading engines, which vibrated through the elegant sleep. Yellow lights blinked around them and a warning voiced over the comms that the engines were engaged. The pilot maneuvered over the wreckage as the Republic ships ignored them and made for Providence. Soon, the Firefox was in open space. They all scrambled into seats and buckled. The helmsman counted down from ten, his voice filling the ship's comms. The pilot gripped the throttle, holding down a button on the side and pushing forward. The odd but familiar sensation of threading pulled at Jazz's navel. This, unfortunately, brought her attention back to the cramps that she had forgotten in the non-stop, life-threatening shitshow that had become her existence. The pain forced out a random string of foul words. When they had a moment to breathe, she was going to inhale an entire bottle of ibuprofen and liquor. It wasn't long before the pilot pulled the throttle toward himself and released the button. The humming engine slowed and the stars around them went from white streaks to shining polka dots. Call the crew together, Gerta, Knox ordered. We need to talk to them. Gerta nodded and left the deck. It's gone, splurted Jazz to Knox. The crystal. Jazz, we can't worry about that right now. You probably dropped it when we were escaping. No, Cybell shot me in the chest and somehow I'm alive and the crystal is gone. Jazz wasn't entirely sure what she was trying to communicate. Her mind was working it through while she talked. And now we're... nowhere. Jazz raised her hand to the window absently. Knox looked to the hole in her jacket. He took the material in his hand, and Jazz wasn't sure how to react. He was suddenly so close. What are you trying to say? he asked, releasing the cloth. He stayed close, though. That's Cybele shooting the crystal? Brought us here? Yes, Jazz responded weakly. He understood. That's impossible. Knox shook his head. Then how do you explain the hunk of rock we're towing that's got to be made from the same shit as the crystal? You saw it. Jazz caught the pilot, looking at her like she was mad. Right now, I need to explain to my crew that we just made enemies of the entire pirate council and that we have no idea where in space we are. Knox finally backed away, the distance between them a chasm. I'll, I'll fix this, Jazz nodded assuredly. It's probably best you don't join me. Lay low for a while until the crew has calmed and the shock has dulled. I, Jazz began, but Knox turned to White. Let's go, White. I need your stubbornness if I'm going to make it through the next hour. The two men headed out the cockpit leaving Jazz, the pilot, and Tane. You, growled Jazz. Tane fumbled with his harness, which was still buckled. Jazz rose and slapped her palm onto his chest, pressing the traitor's asshole's back hard into the seat. We need to talk, hissed Jazz. Tane tilted his head away, shielding himself. 
Jazz saw a wretched terror whip itself against Tane. Her eyes turned to the robotic hand. Jazz sighed, unlatched the buckle, and extended her palm toward him. I'm not going to hurt you. Tane relaxed a bit, grabbing her hand. She lifted him up and slapped him hard against the face. Don't ever do something so fucking stupid ever again. Do you hear me? What were you thinking? I don't know, Jazz. I really don't know. I wanted to help the rebels and... And things got out of control. Jazz suddenly turned to the pilot and noticed he was staring at the two of them. Jazz leered at the man and motioned with her eyes to the door. The pilot shrugged and left without a backwards glance. What happened? What was on that Eos damned drive, Tane? You wouldn't have taken it before looking at it. It was old, Jazz, like 40 years old. There were files, lots of files. Mostly surveillance on whatever ship it must have come from. I didn't think I had much time to look through it, so I searched for the manifest and pulled some names. First two were Frey and Adabigo, as in Ishmael Adabigo. Tane emphasized the name as if it needed it. Everyone knew about the Adabigos and about the tragedy of Ishmael's death during the war. I searched some more, Tane continued, and found the ship's charter. It was written and signed by none other than the Pontifex himself, years before he was murdered by his sister's armada. You want to know what it said? Spit it the fuck out. A stab of pain sliced through Jazz's insides, making her buckle and curse. It forced her to sit down and breathe for a few minutes. Are you all right? asked Tane. Just my period, said Jazz through gritted teeth, and the thousand other cuts and bruises I've accumulated over the last week. No thanks to you. I didn't mean for- Of course you didn't, Jazz interrupted. I don't need your pity or your apologies. Jazz looked again to the robotic hand. We've both suffered enough because of that damn drive. You want to help? Tell me everything you know so we can piece this together. The best I have is a screenshot of the charter. I didn't have time to search through much else and didn't want to back it up in case I got caught. Here. Tane blinked and a moment later she received a direct message with a photo on her HUD. She read the message. The mission of HMS Dawnbreaker is to explore and perform a viability study on planet ER-928-173, New Gaia. The Dawnbreaker will also search and acquire samples of alien material to be analyzed and tested for origin and capabilities. The captain is tasked with the following priorities. 1. Find New Gaia. 2. Acquire and analyze alien material. 3. Assess viability of New Gaia and any other resources of the sector. If New Gaia is suitable as a host planet, the captain will leave a group of his choosing to begin establishing suitable living centers for full immigration. The captain shall not spend in excess of two years on the planet before returning to Earth for a debrief. The charter went on for several pages, but Jazz quickly lost interest. Is this supposed to mean something to me? Tane pointed to the bullet point, acquire and analyze alien material. Jazz looked to the line, then back to Tane, and then out the window as if the wreckage of that ship was still there. Are you saying that the mangled ship we saw was the Dawnbreaker? asked Jazz. Yes, and that the alien material is that hunk of glowing rock we grabbed. Yes, 
I was right, Jazz stood, looking over the charter again. Whatever that crystal was, it brought us here. But how? What crystal? asked Tane. It was like a piece of the rock we just grabbed, but smaller. Jazz's hand went involuntarily to the hole in her jacket. The drive wasn't all I found. And where did you find the drive? In an escape pod with Adabigo's corpse. He must have escaped with it in the crystal before the Dawnbreaker was destroyed. I knew it, Tane shouted, making Jazz flinch. Sorry, but I knew it. I knew it wasn't a coincidence. Tane launched into a story about Project Shambhala, accounts that wouldn't add up, missing persons, and Benjamin Avery making a mess of it all. Jazz's head spun with the details, and she was having trouble putting it all together. Stop, just stop, Jazz waved at Tane. Slow down. I need you to focus, Tane. We are currently stuck in the middle of Eos knows where. We only have so much fuel, food, and air before we all die. And that's if the pirates or those Republic ships don't find us first. We have some idea of how we got here, but no idea how to get back. I think I know how to get back, said Tane. Oh, do you? Jazz did not hide her patronizing tone. The crystal. You said it yourself. You should be dead. Whatever this alien material is, it's what the Republic was really after. We have the technology to terraform inhospitable planets, and the Republic has a tight grip on the resources of the universe. What would it need with another planet? Even if it was rich in resources, what resources worth the effort, time, and secrecy that they put into this project? So, you agree, Jazz nodded. You think Cybele shooting the crystal got us here. But why here? I can't say for sure, but it has to do with that rock outside. It's no coincidence that suddenly we appeared so close to it after you were shot. The crystals are connected, Jazz. They have to be. Think about it. If you're right, we're talking about instant transportation anywhere in the universe, as long as there's one of those crystals around. No more inaccurate and expensive gate technology. No more having to deal with pirates or rebels disrupting strategic choke points. It would open up the entire universe to their rule. It would have changed the course of the succession war at the very least, if Avery hadn't stopped them. Shit, Jazz looked out the window, frowning. So what? Do we shoot the crystal with a laser of our own and hope for the best? Tane nodded. You said it yourself. We only have so much fuel, food, and air, and the longer we sit around here, the more likely we will be discovered and killed. Shit, Jazz gritted her teeth and furrowed her brow in concentration. We can't just shoot it. We need to let Knox make the call. But Jazz, no. I promised. I can't betray him like that, even if it means our deaths. Fine, but how do you suppose we'll convince him? I'm not sure, Jazz sighed. It's not him I'll have to convince. Then who? asked Tane. The crew. Tane snorted a laugh. <laughs> yeah, and how do you propose to do that? By giving them what all pirates want. Riches, freedom, and a good fight. That and throwing you to them as bait. Jazz grabbed Tane by the collar and dragged him out of the deck. No, 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 he said, but didn't try to fight it. Yes, 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 you worm. Cybele might have tortured you, but I haven't had my revenge yet. Jazz pushed Tane ahead of her, and together they headed to find where Knox was talking to the crew.
Symphony of Shadows is a production of Synapse Radio, written, produced, and performed by J.S. Rose. Follow us on Instagram at Synapse Radio and Twitter at Connect2Synapse, that's the number two. Or visit our website for all things awesome, synapse-radio.com. <laughs>